Dear listeners, welcome to Faces of Digital Health, a podcast about digital health and how healthcare systems adopt technologies. I'm your host, Tiasha Zaitz, and today you're going to listen to how health insurance companies look at digital transformation. You will hear from Rajeev Ronanki, Chief Digital Officer at Anthem, which is striving to become a digital AI-first enterprise. In September, Anthem launched a digital incubator where companies can test their solutions on Anthem's anonymized data. Among other things, Rajeev spoke about what kind of mindset shift happened in insurance companies due to covid How does an AI-driven insurance policy mindset look like? And how will AI shape the future of healthcare? Enjoy the show and to browse through other episodes as well, go to www.facesofdigitalhealth.com. In the previous episode, you could hear from Dr. Brennan Spiegel, the author of the recently published book VRX, explain what over 5,000 clinical studies so far taught us about the healing power of virtual reality. If you'd like to be notified about new episodes of the podcast, subscribe and they'll be automatically added to your podcast library. Coming up soon are a discussion about the current state of blockchain in healthcare and also an introduction to digital health in New Zealand. But now to Rajiv Ronanki and digital health in the health insurance space. Rajiv, uh, health insurance companies are not exactly a popular entity in the US. People are underinsured, claims get denied, and more. So what's your opinion of healthcare insurance and healthcare costs in the U.S. in general? I think we all have work to do, and I think it's fair to say that um, uh, the healthcare in this country, uh, we need to improve access to it. I think we need to improve the quality of that, uh, of the healthcare that's delivered as well as uh, it needs to be far more affordable um, than it is now. And I think uh, there's a number of factors for that. But um, I'd say we also have more than sort of uh, enough solutions that are on the table that, uh, you know, we are at Anthem are working on to address those very issues. So I, for one, am very optimistic about what we can do in the future, uh, knowing all the lessons that we've learned from what has and hasn't worked in the past and, uh, you know, using all of that knowledge to kind of shape the future of healthcare. So if we continue there, uh, how do you think that healthcare could be intermediaries? I think uh, part of the, uh, you know, the, I think the issue is that, you know, consumers lack uh, information and uh, true insights about what healthcare costs, what's effective, what's not effective, what's working and what isn't. Uh, so one of our goals at Anthem is to, to simplify all of that and make healthcare Uh, much more transparent and open. What we want to really create is sort of this integrated, seamless end-to-end experience. You know, right now, if you go from a doctor to a hospital to another hospital, 
then in all of those kind of visits, you know, the data kind of stays locally in a one hospital system or a doctor's office. What we want to do is collect all of the information from all the visits to get insights with security and privacy and with this notion that uh, consumers own their own healthcare data. We really want to change the, the equation radically to where we want to collect, connect all the dots in the ecosystem and uh, integrate them into a common platform. And then uh, with that common platform, we want to be able to deliver truly simple and exceptional experiences to our providers, to our consumers, and all the other stakeholders uh, that are part of this, this healthcare puzzle in the U.S. How do you think you can achieve that transparency? One of the big issues is, uh, you know, that sometimes even doctors won't know if uh, the patient asks them uh, how much a service is going to cost. We certainly have that information. I think the question is, how do we make it more uh, ubiquitously uh, available? For example, um, on our mobile app uh, that's called Sydney Health, uh, consumers can type in and look up, you know, what is it, what a certain procedure is going to cost, you know, what is it going to you know, cost to, to get an x-ray and compare prices and, uh, you know, select the one that's most appropriate, you know, based on uh, quality reviews, uh, outcomes that were achieved by others uh, that have used that service, and then, you know, make informed choices, if you will. I think uh, this is all going to make a little bit more sense if we perhaps explain a little bit uh, about the role that you have. So you're leading the transformation of Anthem to become a digital AI first enterprise. Let's stop there a bit. What does that actually mean? What's the grand vision um, and the roadmap? You've been developing this for a few years now. Yeah, maybe I'll start with that last part of your question. Shasa, which is, what's the end game here? The end game is to make healthcare uh, far more predictive, far more proactive and personalized so that the experience that, that our consumers have, that our providers have and all of our stakeholders have is seamless, simple and delightful every time they use it. To do that, it means that we have to uh, use data, use insights, use analytics, use predictive technologies, use exponential technologies to, to change uh, every part of our business. Our core business processes, like uh, the way in which we interact with uh, our providers, our doctors, our stakeholders need to change. Uh, things like claims adjudication, claims processing, billing, enrollment, new product uh, capability creation. All of those things have to be much more automated and efficient and simple. As we you know, sort of implement and roll that out at scale, what it means for us is that uh, with every interaction that we have with our stakeholders, we're able to collect more data uh, and use that data to create more insights. And with, with those insights, then we can appropriately engage all the stakeholders using highly personalized solutions and then learn from you know, what's working and what isn't and then continually get better. Can you name a few examples of what's already been established? Uh, so, for example, um, you know, a few months ago, we rolled out an uh, application called uh, Sydney Care. Uh, Sydney Care uses Anthem's, uh, you know, vast amounts of data and uh, predictive uh, capabilities. And what it does is it allows uh, any any consumer in the U.S. anyone can can download and use it. If um, the user has some symptoms, they can triage uh, symptoms using Sydney Care's AI triage capability. Uh, so if let's say I'm using it and I have a you know a cough and a fever and you know, some other symptoms like that. I can enter in those symptoms and the AI capability will compare those symptoms to 
the millions of others that may have had similar symptoms and then uh, funnel you down to a hypothesis on what uh, others like me have had that have had similar symptoms, what did they end up doing? And at that point, it allows um, users to text with a doc and understand and get more information or have a telemedicine video visit or schedule an appointment and, uh, you know, go see a doctor and compare and shop for services like, you know, lab tests uh, and other uh, related sort of in-person services as, as needed. So it's sort of a comprehensive virtual care that's delivered via an app. And uh, especially in times of the of crisis in, uh, during the pandemic, uh, it was something that was very broadly used because people couldn't go in to see their doctors in a time of need. Speaking of COVID, uh, how did it impact you as an insurance company, the costs and uh, everything related to patient care? Because we've seen some hospital go bankrupt or their income significantly decreasing because uh, procedures were not uh, done due to the um, worries about uh, or prevention from COVID. Yeah, so for, for us, uh, you know, there was quite a bit of uncertainty, let's say, variability in what we were dealing with. Um, it was certainly a huge spike in our consumers, members that were using telehealth services. And, and rightfully, you point out, there was a huge drop off in people that were, uh, you know, sort of getting care in the hospitals for, uh, for things like elective procedures. You know, as we... Um, navigated the crisis, what we needed to do was focus on what care was needed by our, our consumers and members. We rapidly kind of configured our capabilities to deliver that care virtually. Uh, we, uh, like I mentioned before, we made the AI triage capability available rapidly so that uh, consumers can use that where appropriate. Uh, and then we proactively reached out to uh, consumers and members that needed to get in-person care. Like if there was a surgery that was needed and putting that off would uh, jeopardize a person's health, we looked to, to figure out how we could get some of those services delivered at alternative locations. So in some ways, um, you know, we reached out proactively, figured out where we could get care delivered, whether that was home or an alternative location other than a hospital, and we got that taken care of as well. So there was some ways in which the, you know, the, you know as the crisis unfolded, we um, we were able to kind of configure Anthem's response appropriately to make sure that uh, consumers' needs and care got delivered regardless of uh, what was happening around us. Anthem provides one of the largest uh, certified de-identified health data sets in the U.S. And you actually opened up that um, data set uh, not so long ago. So uh, in September, you launched a digital incubator where the value proposition is basically that developers can use that anonymized data to test their solutions. Can you tell me a bit more about the plans here? What's the big picture? What are you looking for um, in this uh, collaboration? Is it an insight in what's happening on the market? Are you looking for very specific partners? In Anthem, we developed uh, something that we call the Anthem Digital Platform. Uh, so the digital platform for us means it's a, a way in which we could harness our data and uh, you know, secure it, you know, anonymize it, and then create ways in which we can make it available to our internal community of developers, data scientists, as well as uh, potentially um, 
partners that could you know leverage selective insights and data from our data sources to to create capabilities for us we know that uh, we at them we need to develop certain capabilities and we are but we also know that you know there's a, a wealth of information and innovation that happens uh, in the ecosystem uh, both in the US as well as globally and we want to be we want to find a way in which we can harness all of that innovation into something that could be uh, of benefit to anthems uh, stakeholders and anthems uh, consumers so the incubator was launched uh, with with just that in mind which is let's leverage the power of the uh, power of the global ecosystem and find a way where we can uh, curate them and and uh, provide them with enough knowledge uh, both you know from a business as well as technology perspective so that the solutions they develop ultimately will be uh, much more uh, on the money when it comes to delivering what our what our stakeholders need, and uh, and ultimately create an integrated experience. You know, so there's no shortage of good solutions in the market today. The issue is that each solution sort of exists in a silo. You know, so there might be a, a a really good patient scheduling solution. There might be a really good diabetes you know management solution, and there might be a a really good um, uh, cardiac care solution. The issue is that those three things don't talk to each other and they really don't, they're not really integrated. So with Anthem, what we're trying to do is find solutions that are really best in class and integrate them into the ecosystem and deliver an experience that integrated, that's integrated for our consumers so that uh, scheduling and chronic condition management and surgery management and whatever other capabilities are needed are all kind of tied together and uh, seem like one cohesive thing to our end users. And that's really kind of what we're trying to do with a combination of our digital incubator and, and our digital platforms. How is that different to what Apple Health is trying to achieve? I think Apple Health is, um, you know, I think, uh, first of all, Apple is a great company. Uh, I think the fact that they have a consumer and a, a privacy, you know, sort of lens uh, through which they approach health is is great. Uh, we sort of share the same sentiments in terms of protecting consumers' data and their privacy, and only using the appropriate data based on permissions that that we receive from from our consumers. So I think what Apple is trying to do really is to deliver health solutions to consumers. So if you use a an iPhone or an iWatch or, or an iOS, um, you know, sort of widget or a device. Then you know there's a, a suite of solutions that that are available to the end consumer. Uh, what Anthem is trying to do is really you know deliver solutions in the context of kind of the healthcare ecosystem, which means that we have to to create solutions for our providers, right? I.e., our, our our doctors and our hospital systems. We have to of course deliver solutions to our consumers, but we also have to to account for what solutions are needed by the community and the caregivers, solutions that are needed by brokers and agents, uh, solutions that are needed by, you know, for employers and our state sponsors, you know, that uh, account for programs like uh, Medicaid. So if you put all that together, it's not just a consumer, you know, sort of lens that we need to solve for. We need to solve for the collective whole of all the stakeholders. So the incubator uh, in some ways is going to, you know, partner with Anthem's core capabilities to develop solutions for that collective stakeholder group. Uh, which is, I'd say, broader and deeper than uh, Apple's approach to uh, to health. And you mentioned that in this quest, you're looking for solutions from across the globe or developers that uh, can come from any country, basically. 
can you tell me a little bit about the diversity that you saw in the applications or the structure of uh, those that are currently in the incubator? How many uh, companies, individuals or teams are working at the moment? You know, so this is uh, early stages. You know, we've got about a you know a dozen or so companies that that are um, you know let's say part of the, the incubator uh, at the moment. Uh, the solutions that are being curated range from uh, improving you know personalization you know for our members uh, include solutions that essentially make it easier for providers to exchange information with each other. You know, so if there's a primary care physician that needs to send. Uh, certain medical information along with things like x-rays and MRIs to a, to a specialist, then we want to be able to, to provide a, a mechanism and a utility for making that happen. So one of the companies we're looking at is, is doing just that. There's another one that's providing peer-to-peer support you know, for therapy where I'm at home and um, I might be able to reach out to others that have similar sentiment and, and are facing a similar issue and uh, compare notes and, um, you know, create a support group around that. As they make it through the process, our goal is to integrate solutions like that into Anthem sort of digital ecosystem and make it available as a seamless end-to-end experience for our, for our consumers. Is this something that the companies that are taking part in the incubator going to be able to scale on a broader level? So what I mean is the problems that you describe, you know, the lack of interoperability between the GP and other entities or the peer-to-peer support, those are quite general problems that apply to basically any healthcare uh, consumer. Yeah, you're a great question. Uh, this is uh, the intent here is that these companies will have a you know a, you know address a market level problem. You know they're not just specific to Anthem. So we want to make these solutions and companies um, you know be viable businesses in the market. And so so therefore they need to address beyond issues just beyond you know what's appropriate for Anthem. Did uh, the whole year and the fact that we are living in a pandemic which affected healthcare technology in a positive way and shifted the way we think about healthcare in practice, not just in theory and in conferences, did that have any effect on the way you're thinking today about, uh, you know, the whole AI transformation of healthcare and uh, in the end, the incubator and how you're running? that and the covid you know crisis the pandemic and the crisis that that ensued i think have accelerated our efforts to to sort of apply you know digital technologies and uh, you know related related capabilities uh in all parts of our business as we you know sort of were reacting to the crisis initially in our first uh, line of defense was to to kind of configure our assets and deploy and uh, help uh, the right information and the right, you know, sort of um, insights be available to all of our stakeholders. So we did that through something that we developed that, that was called the C19 Explorer, which allowed us to model and understand the scenarios that were unfolding across the country. And, uh, you know, and really sort of then uh, do some modeling around uh, how we should respond to it. But once once we got past that, and that's still being used, we really stepped back and said, you know, how should, you know, all that we've learned through this crisis uh, be used on a go forward basis to to rethink and reimagine what needs to happen in the future. We know that uh, providers are comfortable using you know virtual means of care to deliver care, and that that care is 
of the same, if not higher quality than in-person care. We know that uh, consumers could rapidly adopt digital and virtual capabilities to receive care. Uh, so knowing that, we now have a, an opportunity to reimagine the healthcare uh, infrastructure in the country where digital, virtual, and in-person care could be used seamlessly and interchangeably uh, as appropriate. But uh, in every interaction and in every uh, way in which care is delivered, we want to be able to collect the data. We want to be able to, to, to create the insights from that data. Uh, we want to make sure that consumers are always aware of what data is being collected and that we're protecting the privacy and security of that information, but then amplify every interaction with that information and then make every subsequent interaction all the much, all the more personalized and all, the much, all that much better. So did this realization about the preparedness of providers to use technologies and telemedicine and the preparedness of consumers to um, gain positive um, impact of that kind of care, did that really come so from COVID where we were forced to do that? One of the reasons that telemedicine wasn't used more widely before COVID was the fact that the payment models weren't uh, aligned to incentivize providers to give telemedical visits to their patients. So telemedicine has been around for probably a good dozen years. So it's it's been uh, slowly but surely uh, getting more and more acceptance. What we saw during the you know the the pandemic was that uh, this could be adapted and uh, used at scale. Secondly, we also were looking at ways in which we could uh, appropriately create the right incentives. Uh, but also the time that's spent, uh, whether when a doctor is doing a telemedicine visit or is perhaps doing something that's asynchronous, like providing care via email or via text message. Uh, it's not the same, you know, it's the quality is always, you know, paramount, but it's not the same. So I think in the future, we will look at how those things ought to be reimbursed. Uh, but for the moment, you know, our, our focus is on making sure that the care is available ubiquitously and it's seamless across you know, you know, all the different ways it could be delivered. You mentioned that there were a lot of lessons learned as uh, how all this could work. Can you mention any specific examples of maybe what surprised you this year in the journey of adapting to the new way of care? Yeah, what's surprising is just the, the I'd say the providers are already, I would say, adapted using technology and virtual, you know, sort of capabilities to to interact and connect with their patients. So some, some providers were using FaceTime, others were using any of the video conferencing capabilities that you might be familiar with. Uh, so there was just a, you know, a broad range of, of uh, video, virtual, digital capabilities that are already being used by providers. And um, it wasn't always, um, I think, obvious to the, to the broader ecosystem how deep that use was. What we learned during this crisis was like, it's not just a matter of providing a telemedicine capability or, you know, a digital virtual capability, but how do we connect all these dots? Getting the provider's input, getting the member's input, the consumer's input, and, and then saying, well, how could we deliver not just a, you know, a care that's delivered over a video service, but how do we actually amplify that, provide the data, provide the insights? That was the big lesson learned, which is we know it was theoretically possible and it was being done in pockets, 
but to be able to, you know, um, coalesce all of that and deliver it at scale uh, was perhaps the one of the key lessons that we drew from this. If I understand correctly, does this mean that you now have some additional data that's more easily gathered uh, with the use of adapted uh, telemedical approaches that are not Zoom or any other teleconferencing service? Yeah, exactly. So if if you were to use just a generic capability to um, deliver uh, care uh, via video service, it's not going to have all of the surrounding, you know, data, you know, leading up to that, that visit and after. Whereas with Anthem, what we're able to do is, let's say if someone wants to schedule a, you know, a telemedicine visit, we're able to triage kind of the reason for that visit and, you know, get the information, you know, also look at what information is already available on that particular member in our, in our databases and then um, summarize all of that for the doctor. So the doctors can then essentially be, you know, starting with a head start, you know, uh, during that visit. And then um, once the visit is concluded, uh, what we're able to do is create a summary of that visit. And then with the doctor's approval, upload that and update their electronic medical records. And using the same information also generate the claim for Anthem. That could all be a seamless transaction, which at the end of the day helps the providers to be more productive, you know, less paperwork for them. Uh, more time spent with patient. And then with each interaction, uh, all the data leading up to uh, that visit is made available to everyone that needs it. And following that, if prescriptions are needed, we can you know ship that and you know, make that uh, happen in real time. We can then sort of track what happens after the visit, right? So that in the next telemedicine visit or a digital visit or an in-person visit, all of that information is also made available. Which just got me thinking about the differences between uh, those that have been insured uh, with you for several years, for ages, and those that perhaps started getting uh, in your insurance uh, this year or maybe a year ago. One thing that's often discussed um, in healthcare IT is the lack of interoperability. And there we always talk about the lack of interoperability among uh, healthcare providers. So you just uh, got me thinking about the, what about the interoperability and the exchange of data among health insurance companies? Do you get the medical history of a new individual so you could create that summary and present it to the doctor that's doing a telemedical visit uh, with your customer? Yeah, so we, um, Anthem, makes our information available to the consumer so that they can use it and make that information available to their doctors. And, of course, we can do it on their behalf. You know, so, if, for example, if they leave Anthem and join you know, someone else, you know, that information goes with them and they still have access to it. Let's say a member is new to Anthem and, uh, you know, previously they had, you know, some other insurance carrier. Uh, if that insurance carrier uh, makes their data available, we certainly have the ability to ingest that and, uh, you know, harmonize it so that we can make the combined history available to, um, to the doctors when needed. Um, but that's in some cases up to the uh, other insurance uh, companies to participate in that or not. But the good news is that uh, there's uh, upcoming you know, regulations that, that are going to make it so that uh, uh, insurance companies have to make their claims information available to consumers. 
and it'll be up to consumers to decide, you know, whom to share it with and, you know, how to, how to use that data. Okay, something for the consumers to, to look forward to. Um, Harvard Business Review recently posted a survey where 40% of executive, executives said that the obstacle to AI initiatives is that technologies and expertise are too expensive. AI has a lot of potential. So to which extent can its use curb healthcare costs? You know, precision and personalized therapies can be highly effective, but carry an sometimes insane price tags. Yeah, I think the the big potential for AI is in that, you know, we can predict something about a person's future health uh, journey and uh, take proactive, preemptive steps uh, to keep a person healthy. But the fundamental promise of AI is that it could be um, a much more proactive, personalized, and, and preemptive. Uh, that being the case, well, how do you make the transition from what what is healthcare today, which is largely reactive, retrospective, and, um, and expensive, to a future where it's proactive, preemptive, and, and, and predictive? Uh, so, so that cost of of going from the current to the future, I think, perhaps is a you know the, the crux of that survey there. And I think there are ways to be, you know, sort of get there more cost effectively, which is the technology itself, I think, is getting cheaper and cheaper by the day. You know, so if technology compared to 10 years ago versus technology compared to today, a lot of AI is open source. Compute capacity, um, you know, has, has grown exponentially. The cost performance is continued to, um, you know, the price performance has continued to double every 18 months or so, you know, very consistent with Moore's law, you know, from the 70s. So what that means is we've got more data. The data could be stored, uh, you know, far more cheaply than it ever was before. We have more and more sophisticated AI algorithms. Many of those uh, AI capability is open source. Uh, so the, the notion that technology itself is, is expensive or a barrier is probably not entirely accurate. I think the, the big question is how, then, how can all that technology be harnessed and applied in the business context? so that uh, we can systematically and methodically move businesses to adapt those things and, and really achieve their objectives of making healthcare much more you know, proactive and predictive. Uh, and I think there's ways to do that that are, that are effective, which is, um, you know, rather than boiling the ocean, you know, set um, ambitious but pragmatic goals and then start small, uh, leverage open source, leverage ecosystems, you know, leverage the global innovation that's happening. And harness all of that to um, to effect for for any one company, and then uh, as we are learning uh, from each sort of uh, pilot and experiment, you can kind of systematically plot a course for for scaling that. And then you know talent, I think, uh, is absolutely you know, spot on. AI talent is expensive and hard to find, um, but I think one of the misnomers is that you know an AI project needs only you know AI and data scientists uh, type of resources. What we find that um, on an average team that, that is responsible for creating an AI capability, 80% of the work has to do with um, things beyond AI, which has to do with data quality, you know, data integration, sort of creating uh, the, the other engineering that's required to create a solution, and then uh, creating sort of uh, solutions with a human-centered design perspective in mind that ultimately aims to simplify the experience for, for the consumers. AI is probably, you know, 10, 15, 20% of any one given initiative. 
So I think, yes, it's an expensive resource, but also it's not like you need, you know, thousands of, of engineers that have AI expertise. You need some percentage of, of that skill set to be mixed in with existing talent and resources. And I think uh, the existing talent and resources could also be retrained uh, to learn AI so that it's not as expensive to adapt and um, you know deploy these solutions. As you said, AI has a lot of potential to bring more proactivity and prevention to healthcare. However, the precision and personalized therapies are um, increasingly developed when the disease already occurs. So we see a lot of progress in oncology, in cancer treatments, and unfortunately, those treatments can be effective, but they are extremely uh, expensive, especially if you have a free market where the drug makers are the decision makers uh, regarding the price. So I wonder, do you have any power whatsoever when it comes to uh, drug prices and, you know, making therapies available? Here in Europe, uh, where I'm from, the regulation is quite different, you know, so insurance companies do negotiate a lot. But it's a different market, of course. I'm not saying that uh, that should not be taken into account. I, I think I like the way you framed it, which is that the you know, AI has a huge potential to create sort of a precision therapeutics and uh, personalize the, the therapy for everyone as an N of one. Uh, you know, so I think while that's the end state, you know, there's still a long ways to, to go to, to get there. For example, one of the things we're doing is we've got a pilot program where our members can sign up for virtual you know, uh, clinical data trials where using the data that's available on my phone, uh, genomic data and other omic data where available, combined with clinical claims and lab and other types of data, I now have sort of a, a unique profile of one, right? That kind of is my fingerprint and my, my own sort of uh, unique set of characteristics of what defines my, my health. So based on that, we have algorithms that run on, on the devices, on the phones and whatever other devices that are used to, um, as a primary sort of uh, productivity device. The, uh, you know, using that profile, we can then match you up to, you know, clinical trials where we track how you might respond uh, to a particular therapy. And um, based on that, we're able to then customize the therapy uh, to the person's individual data. So that those, those types of advances are already happening. Uh, once we're, we, we're comfortable that the pilots are showing positive results and we're able to learn from what's not working and adapt this, you can picture in scaling this, you know, I can't predict exactly how long this will take, but, you know, uh, some point in the future, we'll be able to scale technology like technologies like these where the personalized clinical trials identify the, the therapies, but also the clinical trial process itself could be um, uh, based on synthetic data where we can essentially take a drug protocol or a therapeutic protocol and then simulate how it might, you know, uh, affect any one person or an entire population. And based on that, adjust the, you know, the, the therapy protocol so that it could be personalized to any one person and it would be far more effective. So that I think is, is more a question of, of timing and enough 
experiments and enough trials to, to get us the evidence to, to support that. But once that's there, I think the change that needs to happen on the manufacturing side will be um, relatively fast. Since you mentioned clinical trials, um, to which extent are your processes and what you offer to customers automated? So, for example, if you have a patient and obviously he is a medical data and suddenly that patient has a new diagnosis, do you automatically uh, send them the information that a specific clinical trial could be appropriate for them? Because one of the big issues that patients still face is access to clinical trials. So in this particular case, this is through one of uh, Anthem's partner ecosystem companies called uh, DocAI. You know, anyone that uses uh, DocAI and signs up uh, for, you know, for that service, uh, we're, we're basically continuously curating all the available clinical trials and making them available to, to the users of that particular application. So, yeah, it happens in real time. Uh, now, it doesn't cover every single um, condition and, and diagnosis, um, but for many conditions, we already have the service that's available. What's your idea of healthcare or how your services are going to look like in a few years? You know, we, we mentioned that you're leading this AI transformation. I'm sure you have a roadmap, um, uh, a timeline. Can you share any of the goals of what you expect to have uh, implemented, ready to go in three or five years? Many of the things that I mentioned are already uh, available today. And so I think the future is going to be more about uh, ubiquitousness and scale. So scaling and uh, broad access is, is one key factor that, that we're always measuring. At the same time, there's new capabilities that we're continuously uh, looking to develop and integrate. And so it's all, it's almost like waves, right? So it's one wave sort of finishes and another one sort of follows and you kind of, you're, you're going, going up the, the curve of does it work? Is it scalable? Is it feasible? Is it viable? And then once we, all those questions are answered, we quickly scale it and you know, it's on to the next wave and on to the next wave. So I don't know if there's one point in time where I can say this, all this is going to be done. But if you, if I were to, if we were having this conversation uh, three to five years from now, I'd say that uh, all of Anthem's members would would have a personalized prediction of their future, um, you know, healthcare journey. They'll have continuous, uh, you know, engagement where they can learn about what they can do to to stay healthy. We'll have uh, tailored insights that are delivered uh, in a highly personalized and simplified manner, whether that's through an app or a voice assistant or any other device, it's all will be, you know, seamlessly integrated to where family members uh, can work with each other on common goals of, of staying healthy. The broader caregivers that uh, are surrounding a family and a community all have access to the appropriate, you know, um, health tools and capabilities so that they can, um, you know, work with each other to improve, you know, lives and health of community. And then the broader uh, system of, of health in the U.S. between providers, drug manufacturers, life sciences companies, um, alternative uh, care delivery sites like clinics and retail, all will be connected into one digitally integrated network, if you will, that is always active and always has access to real-time information and insights. 
uh, to where uh, as a individual's you know trajectory is showing a trend towards something that's unhealthy or, cr- or chronic or acute, that there's a, a proactive intervention that's activated through this digitally connected network, you know, that changes, you know, the trajectory of health and hopefully keeps everyone healthy. Which of the technologies um, are, are you most um, excited about that are going to be very useful for what you're doing and for healthcare and your consumers? So, for example, you mentioned um, voice assistance and voice technology has been quite uh, proliferating in the last few years in terms of um, getting patients uh, information, helping helping them find information, helping them remind uh, for things. Uh, we are slowly seeing that VR is uh, entering the space. So, you know, for the specifics of what you're doing, trying to bring the patient a whole patient journey, a few predictions, very nice insight into their health and their health record. Which of the technologies do you um, perhaps uh, are not used so much, but you're kind of curious where they're going to go. Yeah. So I think um, most exciting, I think, you know, from a, maybe if I could categorize it in sort of two, two broad uh, you know, areas, one are like foundational technologies that enable us to, to, to deliver better experiences. So on the foundational side, I'd say artificial intelligence, machine learning and, and blockchain are, are the ones that, um, uh, continue to, to uh, have great promise, already showing lots of good results, and really excited to see you know what uh, that evolution is going to be in the next five years, as uh, next you know three to five years, as uh, uh, those things sort of uh, tend to become more and more sophisticated on an exponential sort of uh, curve, if you will. On the uh, more interesting consumer engagement side or the stakeholder engagement side. I think virtual reality will have a big role. I think augmented reality, uh, where the data and the insights could be overlaid on uh, an augmented reality experience and delivered uh, through whatever is the appropriate channel. The channels could be voice, could be television, could be your phone, could be a watch, uh, could be your uh, glasses. I think the possibilities would be endless. The visualization of the engagement where augmented reality becomes kind of a seamless and ubiquitous part of that experience, uh, I think in you know three to five years is absolutely uh, on the cards there. You've been listening to Faces of Digital Health. If you enjoyed the show, leave a rating or a review by going to www.lovethepodcast.com slash faces of digital health and you will be redirected to the platform appropriate for your device. Stay tuned!